This is episode 47 of Essential Oils by Design. Hi, everyone. You're listening to Essential Oils by Design, the podcast about human design, essential oils, and how they work so beautifully together. We're your hosts, Raz Isbell and Nani Chisire, and there are three things we're both passionate about. Essential oils, human design, and making the world a better place by helping people get both in their lives. Today, we are going to interview Amanda Desua. She is a PhD doctor of educational leadership and a children's book author, as well as being a doTERRA essential oils educator. And she's a human design projector. And we thought it would be really interesting to interview a projector because Roz and I are obviously not projectors. And we talk a lot about being manifesting generators and generators. So I want to say hi to Roz. Hi, Roz. Hi, Nani. And hi, Amanda. Hi, Nani. Hi, Roz. (laughs) Hi, Amanda. So lovely to have you here. Yes. Thanks for the invitation. (laughs) (laughs) Amanda is what I think is living her design as a projector in a, in a well-designed way. And she's been a friend of mine for many years. And so looking back on our life, I can see how she's a projector, but I also, I don't know if I would have guessed it at first. So that's why I'm really interested in asking her some questions because she has a lot more energy than the projectors that we often hear about when they're burned out. That's just a, an interesting thing about Amanda. So Amanda, I'm so excited for you to be here today and I can't wait to hear more about your experiences as a projector. Like I said, I can't wait for your amazing insights since we're generators and and we want to hear from an actual projector. So I'm going to start with my first question and this is a question I only know because I know Amanda, but she has said before that when she hears some of the descriptions of the projector energy, she doesn't always feel like she connects with it, and I'll let her correct me if I'm, I'm wrong here, but I was wondering if I could ask her some qu- Amanda, can I ask you some questions about this? Certainly. Yes. Just like you said, I, uh, when I first learned about my human design and my type, the projector, I learned early on that rest and breaks and rejuvenation is a very important part of the design. That seemed confusing to me at first. I tend to always be on the move. I'm always making lists. I'm always crossing things off lists. And I felt like out of my family, which are manifesting generators and generators, I I felt like I maybe was the one that was moving around the most. But as I've learned more, I've tried to build rest time in to avoid feelings of bitterness. And I feel like learning about my human design has really been game changing in that it's allowed me to notice when I'm reaching a point where I need to step back and breathe and and have a you know pool of things that I know fill my bucket and help me bring my best self to every situation. That's really helpful advice to all the other projectors out there. And I wanted to delve into a couple of specific areas of your life because I know that these are like pieces that are important to projectors or they come up a lot. So for your current career, can you tell me a little bit about, were you invited into it? Like, what are you doing now and how did you come into it? 
Certainly. I, when I finished my graduate degree, my bachelor's was in rehabilitation psychology. I worked at a residential treatment center for adolescent female survivors of sexual abuse, which was very involved, very intense, very, very sad at times. And although I loved the work I did, I realized that type of work every day, 40 hours a week would get exhausting. So I looked at the field of school counseling where you could help kids that were coming from trauma, but you could also help kids reach their goals and kids that were emotionally stable take the next step. And I felt like it would offer a lot of great balance for me. I started my career in North Carolina as an elementary and middle school counselor, and then seven years ago, moved back to my home state of Wisconsin, just about an hour and a half north of Chicago. And the job I have now, I travel between seven elementary schools. And when I reflect on that, I think it was challenging for me when I was at one school. I miss it, but you didn't have the, the driving breaks that I get. So I really do feel like they help me come with a fresh attitude and allow me a little time to listen to a podcast or um, hear some good music on the radio. And so knowing a little bit more about my projector nature, I feel like those driving breaks really do help me motivate me to do the best work I can do when I work with children and teachers and educators. So Amanda, were you invited at any stage to do what it is that you do now? Can you kind of identify an invitation anywhere along the way? When I made the decision to move back to Wisconsin, of course, we started a job hunt and the current job I have was the second one I applied for. And I remember doing a phone interview and not meeting any of the people that I worked with, but I remember it clicking right away. I felt like it clicked for them. I felt like it clicked for me. And I was invited to take that position at the time I was the one elementary counselor for all 14 elementary schools in the district. So it was quite an undertaking, but you know, it was something that I felt like they trusted me to do. And that confidence really did help pave the road for success and help with the transition and help build my confidence and my ability to take on that job. It sounds to me like when you talked, and it's really interesting you used that language, you said it was like it clicked. And to me, that sounds like a recognition. That sounds like they recognized you. And once they recognized you, they wanted you. They wanted you on on their team. And that's, I think that's really important for projectors to understand. It's the first thing before you get invited is to be recognized. And it's, you, you just, you articulated that really beautifully when you said it, we clicked or I could feel a click or I can't remember your exact words, but something along those lines. Yeah. Yeah. And do you have an example, if you don't, that's okay, but of where there was something that you did that you maybe weren't invited to, I don't even mean in a formal way, but like kind of where you could feel that it wasn't the right, like maybe you pushed, no, I, I, <laughs> I don't want to ask you where you pushed your way into something, but I don't yeah, know exactly. When I think about the value of being invited as a projector, I think about the work I do teaching at the graduate level. I teach for Concordia University in Wisconsin, and I teach aspiring counselors. I teach trauma counseling there, and I was finishing up my doctorate in education leadership when I first reached out to the university and asked about adjunct teaching. And at that time, they did offer a position and I I was invited. But um, it's so interesting how as soon as I got the invitation, 
I paused and I noticed intense feelings of being overwhelmed and stressed and how am I going to fit that into my schedule and I can't, this invitation does not feel right. And so I actually had to decline and, and it felt awkward because I was the one that sought out the position originally. And, and thankfully, once I finished my doctorate, I, I reached back out and knowing I might have burnt a bridge, I might have, by not accepting that invitation, I may have worked my way out of any opportunities with them. But luckily, there's, there still were opportunities. And I, one thing I've learned, not only in that circumstance, but in many moments where there's an invitation coming or a decision to be made, if I pause for a moment and really think about what would my reality be like if I said yes to this? Or what would my reality feel like if I moved forward with this? And if I instantly feel stressed or overwhelmed or worried or, you know, other emotions that are not going to really help me move forward, I, I know that's not the right invitation for me. And the contrary, if I stop and think, what would my life feel like if I moved forward with this? And what would it look like? How would I manage my days differently? And if the feeling is excitement or energy or feeling like a new beginning could help me grow professionally and personally, I learned to really pay attention to those invitations. That's great advice, not only for projectors, but for everyone. (laughs) I think it's also really interesting once again that, you know, obviously even though you reached out and said, you know, can I, I'm interested in this and then you changed your mind because that's what you're allowed to do when you feel into it. You had still enough recognition when the timing was right for you to move into that situation. I think it's really important for projectors to understand that once they've been recognized, it gives them a lot of leeway. Mm-hmm. That's great insight. I think oh, you sorry. gave it to us. So thank no. you. <laughs> when you are in, so you've been invited into your current job or whatever it is, but we'll just use your job as an example. And it felt good. I mean, I know that you can't be energized all the time by your job because that's just the way life is. But do you feel within whatever you were invited to, does it bring you energy? Because this, this is where this is one place where I see that you might have mastered this piece of the energy, which gives you some more energy than you maybe were expecting based on what people say about projectors. And so I, I want to give hope to projectors that align with their careers. Absolutely. And I I feel very blessed that I was fortunate enough to take on a a role at my current job that uh, there wasn't much overlap with my predecessor. And I was able to build a program that did energize me and fuel me. So I was invited to create something that I felt would benefit me and benefit the students I worked with, which was a beautiful opportunity. With that, I was able to really reflect and determine that having direct contact with students and really working proactively to try to help students and avoid situations like bullying and other relational aggression, some of the things that can really impact a school environment, really helped me feel a lot of job satisfaction. And I have learned that when I'm with kids a good chunk of the day and and a lot of my time is spent uh, teaching lessons on how to have empathy, how to respect others, how to be a good friend, how to be assertive, how to deal with anger in a healthy way. So what I do feel like when I spend my time doing that and with kids and 
being recognized for that. I have much higher job satisfaction and the energy to come back the next day and continue that work. So the the next thing I wanted to ask you about, because it's another big piece of our lives, is where you live. And I don't mean, you don't have to tell me like exactly where you live, but could you describe where you live? I know that there are scenarios where like with, if you were around a lot of people all the time where you live, it could be hard for projectors. So I'm curious for tips about how you chose where you live and just maybe describing where you live and what you love about it. Absolutely. I live in five wooded acres. Uh, We have no visible neighbors near us and a lot of woods. My husband actually has been working. um, He's a manifesting generator and he's been working laboriously in the yard, making trails. Um, They're very labyrinth-like and we really enjoy walking them and thinking and definitely leave all our devices, our cell phones at home when we spend time out there. We have a tree house that I love to do yoga in when the, the weather's nice. And I view that as a hiatus. I really feel nature can help ground me. And I have a drive to work. I drive 40 minutes to work each way. So a a total of an hour and 20 minutes in the car. But I do feel like it's worth it to have that time in nature, the ability to go out and not, you know, be bothered and not, you know, be interrupted. So I, I think that really helps fuel me and and gives me the opportunity to clear my mind and and really process you know my day and move forward in a positive direction and clear your sacral yes (laughs) absolutely (laughs) sounds absolutely stunning it sounds really beautiful the way you describe it and i think something that's important for all of us to understand and perhaps especially projectors, is that we surround ourselves with things that we find beautiful because, as you just said, that energizes us, that gives us energy. It's cleansing to be in a high vibrational state in you know the woods, which are high vibrational places to be, and on acreage, which isn't being interfered with by other people's energy. So, Amanda, how do you find living with a manifesting generator, how do you find managing that energy? It's interesting you ask that. And I feel like um, as I read more about manifesting generators and projectors, I, um, I think maybe my husband and I are, are a good match because although he's a manifesting generator, he very much enjoys rest and relaxation and you know definitely feels like that's a necessary part of his his day. So he sometimes when I'm not ready to rest, he is and, and we balance each other out well there. I, I think he has a lot of stamina when it comes to working on projects where as a projector, I will reach a point where I get frustrated. It's not going as quickly as I wanted and I'm tired of it and I just want to stop where he can really persevere and continue. So when we're working collaboratively on something, it's been helpful for me to just step away and take a break and he will continue and then I'll come back with a fresh head and a cool glass of ice water for him and and you know we can work together once again so I, I I think we tend to balance each other out well in in that regard I have a lot of ideas about what I want to get done and a lot of creative energy but I don't always really recognize the amount of work it takes and the commitment it would involve so it, it's nice that in circumstances like that he's 
there, you know, and committed and, and in it for the long haul. It sounds ideal. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You probably get some energy, you know, we call it rent a gen when you're around him, like you, you amplify, amplify some of his sacral energy, but then it only lasts for so long, like exactly like you're describing. And then you need to go discharge for a little bit. Yeah. Communication is huge. I, I think we've recognized too that sometimes I need to say, you know what, I'm going to take this walk by myself and don't take it personally. It's just something I need for me right now. Or, you know, he used to, if we were walking through the woods together, he'd start talking about that tree's dead. I need to, we need to take care of that tree or I really want to build a path here. And I had to clarify that, no, when I walk through the woods, I, I don't want to think about all the things that need you have to do. I want to look at the trees and breathe and hear the birds and notice, tap into my five senses. And, <laughs> and if I can just point out there too, in case people who are listening didn't pick up on it, that Amanda was talking about informing because when you're a manifesting generator, it's really important that you inform people of what you are doing. But conversely, it's really important from a manifesting generator's perspective that they are also informed. And that's what Amanda does when she tells her husband, look, I just want to go for a walk by myself. That's informing him. And the manifesting generator goes, oh, okay. There's no offense taken. They've just been informed. It's, that's all it takes just to keep the, the lines of communication fresh and open. So the next topic I'm really excited to talk about is the book. Well, you've written two books, but first I'm going to talk about the, the first book that you wrote called Frog Slime, and it's a child's guide to calming down. And it's basically about how to help kids regulate emotions and frustration in particular. And I found it very interesting that you as a projector wrote about this topic because, you know, projectors know people and 70% of the population are generators, including the manifesting generators. And, you know, there's obviously a lot of children that are in this category and you innately knew that they needed to learn about frustration, which is the not self or, you know, like, kind of when you're going off your path as a, a generator. So I think it's a beautiful example of a projector guiding. But can you tell me how the idea for the book came about and if there were any invitations in it? And if not, that's okay, but I'm just interested how, how you came to that topic. Certainly, I have noticed a, a need for self-regulation skills, not only in children, but in a, adults as well, and had written stories when I was a child and it was something I always wanted to do. And I love that Roz pointed out being recognized really does motivate projectors. As a child, I actually won awards for writing stories. So I, I was recognized and it was a thought, a goal I had that I, I kept in my mind all these years. And I was elated when I got a manuscript and submitted it to a few publishers only to find out uh, there was a publisher in the, the city I worked in and I actually worked with her wonderful daughters at one of my schools and met her at a coffee shop and really connected and she was really excited to work with me on, on getting Frog Slime, A Child's Guide to Calming Down, published. It talks about stopping and thinking, breathing. A lot of the anecdotes in the book are real life circumstances that I've either witnessed in my own children or in the, the students I worked with. 
So I felt very much invited by the connection to the publisher and her energy and her enthusiasm and recognition around the, the topic. Well, Dr. Daniel Siegel is one of my favorite authors. He's written Whole Brain Child and No Drama Discipline. And so Dr. Daniel Siegel has a wonderful strategy, um, name it to tame it. He educates in his books on how when we're really frustrated, when we're feeling dysregulated, and that amygdala is becoming very active. If you name your feeling or name your emotion and even give it a creative name like frog slime, you can really access your, your thinking brain, your higher upper brain and access things like empathy, like problem solving, like um, what would happen if cause and effect sort of relationships. That was kind of the inspiration for the book, trying to take that philosophy from Dr. Daniel Siegel and infuse it into a children's book that would help them develop skills that they might need to calm down. There's a little song, they talk about taking a deep breath and counting to 10, exercising, taking a break, all strategies we know that can help us in those moments of frustration. And we'll make sure that we link to the book in the show notes if you're interested in finding out more about frog slime. It sounds fantastic, Amanda. It sounds like something that I could really use in my life, especially perhaps a few years ago. (laughs) Yeah, we could put the link to it. It's available on Amazon. I, I definitely recommend checking it out for adults or children or to read with your children, especially if you find out that they're generators or manifesting generators. But I know everyone gets frustrated. Can you tell me a little bit about your second book, Panda's Paws, and how that came about? Certainly. Panda's Paws is, I usually use that with upper elementary students, and it's about pausing. And I felt like it has a theme of mindfulness. And I really, as I started to research mindfulness on my own and educate children and parents alike on how to really deal with anger and deal with frustration, it became very evident that in life we have stimulus. We have things happen around us all the time and stimulus can be good or bad. And then often following a stimulus is a reaction. And if you too quickly move from stimulus to reaction, a lot of mistakes can be made. And so I felt like if we could train and educate people on pausing in between stimulus and reaction, that can really lend itself to growth, to change, to peace. And so there's hidden peace signs in Panda's Pause, but a lot of the message in the book is about pausing when you're feeling a variety of emotions and really noticing what's happening and then allowing yourself some time to think before reacting. So the the other part of the book that I really wanted to make sure kids understood is that anger often is a a secondary emotion. It's usually prefaced by jealousy or prefaced by sadness or prefaced by hurt. And then we go to anger because it's something we're comfortable with. It's something we're used to. So if you can pause and recognize too that, wow, I'm angry, but actually if I peel back that, I'm embarrassed. I'm hurt. I'm disappointed. It's often preface by something else and and paying attention to that I think creates greater awareness about how you respond to stimulus and how maybe what your triggers are and how you can have a plan for dealing with those triggers that can lead to anger and frustration. What you are describing there is part of the successful manifesting generator strategy. It's exactly, and I love that you've intuitively picked up on this, that if you can just stop 
before you leap into what it is that you think that you should be doing, very often you'll have a different outcome. It's, you know, we, we talk about the spaghetti throwing thing where you try a whole lot of different things, but if you just stop and feel into it, then you'll very often get a far more positive outcome. Another book we will link to in the show notes. It sounds fantastic. Sounds like well, I love book. that that observation. I think what's been really powerful for myself as a projector is also to notice, it's easy to say, well, I'm just going to pause and think before I react. But if we don't then take it a step further and think about what our triggers are and what situations are going to be most challenging for us to pause before reacting, I think we're doing ourselves a disservice to not really take it to that step. And, and for me, I noticed, and I don't know, maybe you can offer some insight on this, a trigger for me that happens frequently is I'm cooking dinner and packing lunches and, you know, emptying the dishwasher and I'm doing all that simultaneously while the rest of my lovely family is sitting and watching TV. So I I know that's a a trigger for me and I've had to um, learn how to have a a plan to pause and, and approach that situation with grace and politely ask for help rather than getting bitter and angry and reacting in a way I will later regret. Can I just say thank you for saying that? <laughs> it's something that I also may or may not have been dealing with recently. <laughs> so thank you for giving me a reframe because I'm sure there's a lot of our listeners out there who will be thinking the same thing that we, particularly as women, we do tend to take on the responsibility of you know the, those sort of more traditional female roles and we are probably as women as mothers starting all collectively to become a bit more bitter about it thinking well this actually isn't my or shouldn't be my job and as you said we rather than getting bitter rather than getting upset angry frustrated disappointed whatever we might be feeling to actually stop and pause and take appropriate action, ask for help, articulate how we're feeling, whatever it happens to be. I think that's absolutely brilliant. So I, for one, thank you, Amanda, for for bringing that up. (laughs) I was just going to say a creative way I've used that really does help. I, I sometimes will say, so we need to do this, 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 and this. And I'm one person. That's five things, but we have four people here. So if we each take one on, think about how quickly we could get that done and then even giving control back to the rest of the family and saying, so which of those five seems to be something you'd be interested in helping with? Because then they they have choice in the matter too. So that's been a good strategy to to use in my household. I mean, that's again, informing, like, like Roz would need to be informed. So that's like perfect to tell them. Sometimes we think we just need to take it all on I mean, as you were describing that, Amanda, I was like, a projector should not be doing three things at once. (laughs) I know you can handle it. And like Roz is saying, maybe it's just a mom thing that we, I mean, women can multitask, I think, quite well, but it doesn't mean we have to or should. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that it's good for us. So it's amazing what anyone, any type, sacral or non-sacral can do if they feel they have to do it, but it doesn't mean that it's good for them. It doesn't mean that it's going to make them healthy or energized 
or it doesn't mean it's going to bring them into alignment. And I think so often it's just the identification of the fact that there is something going on that's not right. Just Mm -hmm. having it called out Mm -hmm. is sometimes all it takes. Mm -hmm. Which this leads me into something that you've talked to me about before, like the philosophy in your life is finding your calm. And I was wondering what that means to you and how it might help other projectors or maybe even just tips from you about how you find your calm. Absolutely. I, I um, tend to view myself as a, a organized person. I enjoy lists. I enjoy schedules. And I uh, realized that I was making an error in a good chunk of my life by making my list solely include things that needed to be done, um, cleaning, uh, you know, errands. And I neglected to incorporate aspects of self-care onto those lists. So I I feel like it's been extremely beneficial and enlightening for me to, as I try to find my calm, to include things and budget it in and schedule it in that I know will really help me be more calm. So I, I try to schedule in yoga. I try to schedule in walks. I try to schedule in downtime and, and that can really help me to be the calm person that I hope to be to set me up to really meet chaos, which I often encounter in the work I do with calm and try to really help bring others to a place of peace. I've also found that my self-talk and keeping that in check has been pivotal in helping me find my calm. If I start to notice uh, the inner dialogue I have taking me to a place of either beating myself up or judging myself too much or possibly judging others too much or looking at a situation with a pessimistic or negative lens to try to adjust that thinking and and self-talk in a powerful way. Just to share an example, I I can frequently get overwhelmed in those moments where I'm trying to take on too much and just reminding myself if my mind starts to go to a place of like, how am I going to get all this done? And I'll never get it done. And oh, I'm so irritated that, you know, I have so much to do. If I stop and think, I'm going to do one thing and then I'm going to let the other things go and that's going to be okay. And so just kind of shifting that inner dialogue when it's not calm and when it's leading to feelings of frustration and and bitterness and being overwhelmed. Yeah, that's great advice. The last topic that I wanted to quickly talk about is network marketing and being a projector in network marketing and mostly just like highlighting what what works well as a projector in network marketing and where can you find challenges. I know you've helped us. We have the network marketing by design courses and I've often asked you for for help figuring some of this out. So I wanted to share with our audience just a little more about your experience. Certainly, when I think about network marketing and and being a projector, I I think one strategy that's worked really well for me if I'm trying to educate or share information or or even essential oils with others, to give them choices in the matter and and try to offer opportunities for them to find something that's going to match their style best. That's been really powerful. But I think also I'm someone that, as many of us are, thrives on human connection and knowing that you have the power to, to help others. So I feel like if I can determine what the need is and, and really try to share personal stories and ideas about how things 
essential oils or strategies when working with children have worked for me and, and relates on a personal level. That's been a, a great way to connect and share and educate others. That's great. And have there been places where you've learned from challenges and maybe like now realize, oh, that was a projector thing? Absolutely. I, I think um, it's similar to what I shared earlier when you have an opportunity or a choice or something in life present itself. If you, if you really stop and think about whether or not it's something that's going to engage you in a positive way or overwhelm you in a, a negative way. I, I think that's been really helpful to pay attention to. And you may or may not know this if you're studying psychology or studying to be a counselor, it's often required that you have to go through your own counseling to really get an idea of what that's like to be on the other side, which is absolutely wonderful and beneficial. And I remember decades ago going through that that process and meeting with someone and as the, the client and they were the counselor. And at the time in my life, I didn't think I even had anything I needed to work through. And the lesson I learned in that experience was so powerful. It, it was that I really would make a lot of decisions and do a lot of things to make others happy. And I would not stop and pay attention to whether or not I was really feeling like this was the right choice for me. So Back in that time when I was meeting with that aspiring counselor, I, I learned that in life I need to stop and just pause and say, what does Amanda want? And often the answer is so clear, like, this is what I want. Well, then yeah. that's what I need to do. So I feel like that's true in, in marketing and networking, that if you stop and ask, what do I really want? Is this, is this what I want to do? And if the answer is glaringly no, then you probably shouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, so true. <laughs> I remember you also telling me that I thought this was a projector thing, but when you would teach people, like say you had a class teaching about essential oils and the people that came actually were coming just because they got a night off to spend without having kids or whatever. So they were just coming for the social aspect and they weren't like valuing what you have to share. And I, I definitely see that as a projector thing, like really wanting to be valued and valuing your own time. So I think that was an interesting one as well. Absolutely. Yes. Yeah. I definitely want for people that are engaged in what I have to say or what I'm sharing to, to feel like they're going to benefit from it as well. Otherwise, I don't really feel good about it. So yeah, that's a great yeah. observation. And then, of course, we're essential oils and human design. So I want to ask you about what your favorite oils are and you can tell us what you use them for or not. We just are interested to hear from a projector what oils work for them. Absolutely. I am currently diffusing bergamot in my house. I feel like that one uh, on a gloomy day when I maybe start to notice my self-talk going to a place of negativity or not being productive. I feel like that's a really great go-to to diffuse or apply topically to try to, it's almost like a ray of sunshine uh, you know, yeah. uh, spreading over you. So that's definitely one of my favorites. Um, balance is, is another go-to for me. Although I know I need rest and rejuvenation, I sometimes don't instinctually plan for that, even though I try. So uh, trying to remind myself balance is critical in life and, and making sure that we, you know, have time for work and have time for refueling. So that's definitely one of my favorites as well. 
I find forgive is a, a, the blend, doTERRA forgive is a, a really useful one. As someone that's trying to guide others, and I, I do know from looking at my design, I am an empath, and I, I know when I take on other people's energy or feel like there's a lot of complaining going on around me, or maybe even someone met my helpful attempt with hostility or, you know, didn't come back in a way I anticipated, I tend to feel really hurt and I, I don't like that feeling. I take it personally and it really can bring me down. So forgiveness can be, forgive blend can be beautiful when I'm trying to forgive myself and recognize that I can't control others around me and I'm not going to let that energy affect my mood because it's not worth it. So I love that. And Roz, do you have any other questions that you Yes. Bur burning to ask. Yes. <laughs> I guess, yeah, I mean, thank you so much for all of this amazing insight into not only being a projector, but the amazing work that you've been doing. I've certainly learned a lot from what you've said, Amanda. So thank you so much for that. I'm just wondering maybe as we wrap up now, if you could distill into a few sentences for us and I'm very mindful that Nani mentioned at the start that perhaps you didn't necessarily resonate with being a projector when you first found out about human design but I'm wondering what changes or how understanding who you are from a human design perspective how it's made a difference to your life Certainly. That's a, a fabulous question. I think learning about my human design has helped me professionally, but it's also helped me personally. Professionally, it, it's definitely helped me recognize that I need invitations, which is helpful to know. But then again, there's times when I may not be invited to do something and I still should do it to professionally grow. So kind of stepping outside of my comfort zone a little and, and knowing that with recognition and invitation, I feel like the road is paved for me to move forward, but there might be aspects or times in my professional career when I need to invite myself to do things and kind of create that opportunity for myself. Personally, I think it's been super helpful in allowing me to recognize that although I took pride in being a, a busybody and, and always doing things, I, I feel like before I learned about human design, when I would go, go, go and get things done, I had much more frequent outbursts of, you know, bitterness, or I would not have that pause before I would react. And I would, you know, say things to my family that I later would regret. So I, I feel like incorporating that time in my life to recharge and, you know, just be present and think about the day and reflect and plan and, you know, just really taking time for me has allowed me to really find my calm and be more of the person I want to be and really not have those moments where I regret things I said because I let myself go too far to a place of being bitter and hostile and angry about what was happening around me. Beautiful. Thank you. I just wanted to say thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. I love hearing your insight as well. I mean, I've known you for a long time and I learned new things today as well. And I have a special place for projectors because I know that there's an important role for you on the planet, especially right now. So I just, I think it's 
really helpful to have have you share what you know rather than than me trying to like retell what you have to share. It's great coming straight from the source. Oh, well, I hope I gave you enough content. I feel like I I tried to look over all my beautiful notes from you, Nani, and come with some <laughs> ideas. But I, I appreciate your expertise because you were both able to verbalize some of the, the real connections to human design that I'm just in the, the learning phase of. So, yes, thank yeah. you. Beautiful. So thank you so much, Amanda, for coming on Essential Oils by Design. We really do appreciate it. And thank you, Nani, for organizing your beautiful friend to come and talk to us. We have, I'm sure, all of us learned so much from you about being a projector and what it feels like to be a projector who's aligned because I think that is something that hopefully other people have gleaned from your conversation. But something that has been made very obvious to me is that you are really beautifully aligned and totally aware of what's going on for you. And I just love seeing that. You know, one of the first things that I learned about human design was that an aligned projector is a beautiful thing. And I think we see that in your energy. So once again, thank you. And if you would like to know more about Amanda's books, we will be linking to them in the show notes. If you would like to know more about Nani or my work, we both have websites. Nani's is humandesigntools.com. And mine is findyournaturalgroove.com. All three of us have essential oils businesses. So if you would like to get in touch with any of us, we can link to Amanda's doTERRA website as well. Another thing that we really want to mention is the fact that our network marketing by design for projectors online course is now available. So if you go to either of our websites, and you look under training, then you will be able to link directly to the courses. So Network Marketing by Design for Generators is available. Network Marketing by Design for Projectors is also available. Network Marketing by Design for Manifesting Generators is not far off. And then, of course, Manifestors and Reflectors will be coming soon after. So If you are a projector, if you do have a network marketing business, or if you are thinking that you would like to have a network marketing business, but you can't imagine how you might be able to make that work as a projector, then this course is for you because it has loads and loads of content about how you best operate in any kind of business really, but specifically in a network marketing business with your beautiful projector energy. So thanks so much for listening and we look forward to speaking with you very soon. Bye, Amanda. Bye, Nani. Bye, Roz. Bye, Amanda. Bye. Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) Bye, Bye, everyone. everyone.